second renaissance podcast where we decode the rebirth of human creativity in a technology driven world i'm anders sommanilson global futurist author and the co-creator of the adobe cq the iq test for your creative leadership and your host for the second renaissance Vince Frost is a globally recognized and awarded designer. Before starting Frost Design in London in 1994, he was the youngest associate director at Pentagram. In 2004, Vince relocated to Sydney, where as CEO and ECD of Frost Collective, he's worked with leading arts and cultural organizations, governments and businesses to help bring visionary ideas to life. A member of ISTD and AGI, Vince is the author of two books, including Design Your Life, which we'll be exploring in the podcast, which looks at how design has the power to positively transform not just business, but our daily lives. His popular Design Your Life podcast discusses his theory with design visionaries from across the globe. He's been the subject of a retrospective at Sydney Opera House, and he continues to be an international ambassador for the design industry, judging and speaking on the value of design and how it can change people's lives for the better. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm inviting you up to like what's going to be your new home essentially up here on the northern beaches, right? Yeah. Don't plug it too hard <laughs> in case it falls through. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited. This northern beaches, especially this area here, Avalon around here, that's just absolutely love. So I'm just curious. So you've, you've had like your creative sort of center has been more in the sort of inner east, eastern suburbs over the last few years. But now, now, COVID's enabled you to potentially move yeah. out, of, out of town. Well, I started like a long time ago uh, back in England. So um, I've been around the world, um, worked in London, set my studio up in London, 94, 10 years there. Uh, one year in Tokyo, Japan, and art, uh, art directing Japanese Vogue. And then I had the opportunity to bring my business to Australia. And that was like 18 years ago, which has flown by. And been pretty focused on Sydney, actually. Uh, you know, at the time I had a very young family and uh, the kids are much older now. But, you know, it's been very, it's always been exciting, challenging times. Uh, I know COVID's been extra challenging for a lot of people. And I feel for people who have really been struggling with that. But I see that, you know, I do still see even times when they're tougher, there's opportunities everywhere. And I'm, I'm a Sagittarius and Sagittarius, Sagittarius, Sagittarians are... Uh, very optimistic and I think that's kind of where that comes from but I I've been navigating that and we're teams based in Sydney but we're working in Sydney probably about 80 percent of our work um, but equally we're working in around Australia and jobs in Russia uh, Kuala Lumpur other places as well yeah we're going to talk a little bit about your your very sort of glo- global background and your nomadic moves uh, I read in your book You've, uh, at the time, had lived or moved about 44 times. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting here with Vince Frost, who, of course, is the founder of the Frost Collective, designer extraordinaire, oh. uh, talking to us on uh, the second renaissance, which is, of course, the idea that we're living through this really creative moment at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
accelerated even through COVID. Mm. Uh, and that hopefully there's a re-emergence and uh, a sort of a rebalancing of human cognition where we spend more time being creative in the future. Mm. One of the uh, sort of central tenets when I, when I was reading your book, Vince, is, um, is the idea that, you know, as a, as a designer, you'd been looking at, you know, graphic design and typography and, 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 and brand, etc. But um, at some point you kind of put that design mirror on yourself and mm. said, hey, how can I better yeah, yeah. take design principles and actually apply it to my own life? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I've been working for a very long time solving other people's problems. And, you know, people come to us with a brief and an opportunity and a timeline and we agree a budget and we argue about that probably and we argue about the fees. But we finally agree on what we're going to do and by when. Um, it's very different to normal everyday life as an individual you tend to put yourself last. You tend to not give yourself a deadline or hold yourself accountable to things. So you often put your family or your work or your career or other things in front of, your, of yourself. And um, I kept getting sick uh, through stress and through uh, working too hard and probably drinking too much and doing too much of a lot of things that aren't meant to be good for you. And I just kept doing this time and time again. And I just realized I hit a wall every time. I called it man flu, but it really was just, I just hit kind of rock bottom. And I kept thinking, talked to all kinds of consultants and trying to work out how to do it better. How, what am I doing wrong? You know, because I'm just doing everything. Is that me? <laughs> I'm just doing everything at 100 miles an hour. I'm just trying to get through what life throws at me. And I guess what I realized was I thought, you know what? I, I, what if I start applying these, my design principles or my design approach to my own life? And that can be around setting myself goals or a goal or what, what do I want to do with my life as opposed to just living day by day, which is how I was. I was living very reactive to the situation. I would say yes to everything and just go along with it and just be busy, busy, busy. Um, and so I just started to kind of trial this. I started to what I call get fittish. Uh, I, I'm kind of like, I always try to make everything that we do perfect. And I know it's impossible. But I have very strong and very high standards, and I, I want to ensure that whatever we do, we do it the best we possibly can. But when you apply that to your life, it's sometimes intimidating, and, and, and very much intimidating when it comes to, unless you're an Olympic, Olympic athlete, you know, you aim for perfection, you aim to be the best in the world. But if you're just a human being like I am, you're just trying to, you just really need to be fit <laughs> fetish yeah. uh not a superstar not an athlete and i guess i kept thinking i kept intimidating myself and not you know i kept failing continuously um until i took this different approach i was drinking too much uh, as well um you know the society today and has been for a very long time uh we think having a glass of wine an event or after with a meal or in the evening after a hard day's work is is kind of good and relaxing and, and kind of a you're going to uh, upset so like 80 million Italians and a lot of French nationals right now with what you're about to say yeah. next I imagine but I, I was I, that glass became two became a bottle became two bottles a night um, mm. and uh, and I was in this constant state I already was fucked <laughs> but I was just in the constant state of repair um, and so I was actually working against myself and I wasn't really aware of that. 
But there was a whole bunch of things too is around having a clear vision of you know, a longer-term plan. So from me, from my family, for my business, um, that helped enormously. Um, and then I kind of drew, drew it out and started working on a timeline. And yes, I slipped, but at least I kind of re, kept realigning to it and going back on track and, and, and focusing on what I wanted to achieve. And so, it changed things dramatically for so me. So Vince Frost became Vince Frost's client, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I started taking my own advice. It's kind of hard. I mean, because I still, <laughs> I still. Oh, you look I'm great, not, Vince. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Um, I'm not super fit, but I'm definitely a hell of a lot healthier. Uh, much more um, able to tackle life in a positive way, and I have a clear, a clear direction, which I feel uh, has made a massive difference for me. Yeah, and I know even when we were chatting yesterday, you said that you're starting the day today with a gym session prior to coming up here to Bilgola. So. Yeah, no, it's just just walking. If you can walk ten thousand steps a day, that's the minimum I think you could do. If do half that, if you but just do something, just move. You know, we're designed to move. If if you can, obviously not everybody. Some people are not able to, but I mean, the majority of us can actually move, and we a lot of us don't move. Um, so I'm just thinking if, for for the people who are on the show who are listening to this, who are who don't necessarily, you know identify as traditionally creative or, or think that you know the world of design might sound you know intimidating um or or something that you know only creatives and people in advertising do and and you know the mad men and women of the world um what are some of those sort of central design tenets that you could uh, apply either to an important life project or even even to your to yourself i think that um Again, I, th- I guess society has kind of made, made a difference between what we call creative people and non-creative people. I believe everybody in this world is creative. You're born creative. You're not born uncreative. You're not born to be a mathematician. You're not born to be a builder. You're not born to be a graphic designer. You're a human being uh, who has equal number of senses of everybody else, and you're kind of a clean slate, and you... It's what you take on, what you take in from around you, your, your family, your society, or whatever's going on around you. Um, I was influenced by um, being absolutely appalling at the academic side of my education. You know, so it's. Uh, I think that so, so, so everybody is born creative. Unfortunately, education, a lot of education, drums that out of us, makes us neat, tidy, sit down, shut up, listen, you know, repeat after me. You know, all this kind of stuff, which is really not very nice, <laughs> not very um, good for the soul or good for, the, the, you know, your humanity, etc. So I think that um, the first, first thing I would say is don't think you're not creative. Because we have clients come in all the time in, in suits, uh, coming for a meeting. And they go, oh, you, go, you guys are so out of cool space. You're so lucky to be creative people. Like, I used to be at a draw, but I kind of stopped. And, and they kind of feel bad about themselves and i go well don't feel bad about yourself next time they come in they've taken the tie off next time they come they're wearing a t-shirt you know um they sort of feel kind of more relaxed in their skin feel more relaxed about um themselves and actually enjoying the creative process because uh, we're 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 actually very inclusive with our clients in that process so i think first thing is don't exclude don't don't think that it's some kind of secret club that you know you've got to be a creative person to be part of Every single person is creative, is creative, whether you're cooking something, the way that you walk, the way that you laugh, the way that 
you know, everything about you um, has has an opportunity and personality and uh, an, an unique trait that actually is quite um, special to you. And I guess it's like, learn to be confident with who you are. Learn to feel comfortable in your in your skin. A lot of us don't feel that way. A lot of us don't feel confident in, in, in the ways of expressing ourselves, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, we were just sort of, yeah, we were exploring sort of, you know, for those that consider themselves non, you know, non-traditionally or non-creatives maybe in terms of who they identify mm. with, what are the sort of design principles or tenets that they can sort of apply in, in, in their own lives, if, you know, based upon these concepts in your book, Design yeah. Your Life, um, yeah, which yeah. is, you know, you can actually treat yourself as a design project. Yeah, I think that um, some, spend some time kind of thinking about your goals, you know, um, we're all very good at procrastinating. We're all very good at getting distracted uh, or putting things off. But sit down and, and sit down and be comfortable with it being uncomfortable. Sit down with a piece of paper and a pen or whatever you want to use, even use technology, and just sit down and write down all the things that you like, all the things you like in your life, all the things you don't like in your life, what you kind of aspire to. In a way, kind of create your own brief. Um, you know, I find that quite hard because I actually find it really easier if a client comes to me with the brief because they've already thought about what they want and what they want to achieve etc all we have to do is work out how to how to do that but with an individual comes you should sit down and kind of spend some time and you might not crack it like the first time you might need to keep coming back to it but just think about um if you could live the ideal your ideal life and it's not about money it's not about all these other things you know the fanciest house in the world but if you could live the, your ideal life, what would it look like? You might already be 60% there. You might be 30% there. You might be 90% there. But there's always room for kind of setting that brief, giving yourself tasks or things, you know, aspects of that that you would think that you could contribute towards making your life better or the, achieving your goal. Um, stick it on a wall. Stick a, maybe do a mood board. Maybe take picture, cut pictures out of magazines or something. And stick them on your wall, in your bathroom, or somewhere where you, you go every day to remind yourself of, of what you're aspiring to or to help kind of remind you and keep you on track. There's a whole bunch of different things. I, I think also around just getting out and um, going for a walk every morning if you can. Um, and you could always find time for half an hour walk, an hour walk in, in your day, no matter how busy you are. And it makes a massive difference to actually how you feel you feel so much better. I mean, I personally, if I don't do that for a week, I'm pent up, I'm stressed, I'm nasty. <laughs> I'm not a nice person to be around. You're leaking energy, yeah. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. And so um, that, that helps enormously. Um, I think big thing is to learn how to kind of trust yourself as well. Trust your gut, trust your intuition, your instincts, you know. Listen to people around you and advisors. Um, but don't live other people's lives, you know? Hang around people that, you, that you, you like, that you feel good around. Hang around people that you aspire, um, who influence you in a, in a positive way. Uh, stay clear of people that are negative and destructive and, and putting you down or, or creating a kind of negativity that is not healthy for you. Um, uh, I, mean, I think it's really important to think that always ask a question, what if I could? What if I can? 
versus immediately going into the negative of thinking, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this, you know. But what if you could? What if you could achieve what you want to do? What if you could do a task that you think at on first uh, glance is not possible, you know? I haven't read my book for a while, so I can't remember all of the Yeah, the no, no, no you're doing a good job. Um, it's all muscle memory, so you're, 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 <laughs> you're, 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 you're refreshing it uh, nicely. I'm just curious, so if, you know, Vince, you know, in the present moment had to give Vince Jr. some design advice. Is there is there a particular period that you wish you could have redesigned in, in retrospect or a particular time when you wish you had had this eureka moment earlier to take a sort of a design approach to your own life? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think life is, is about learning. Um, and I think, thank God, I, certainly in my career and my life, I feel like um, every day I'm learning, continue to learn. You know, I mean, I I thought when I left art school after two year very casual course that I was done. <laughs> you know, it was like now I work, um, but it's nothing like that at all, actually. And it's it's what's that's a wonderful thing of life. So I think that looking at my life back, I'm I'm 55 now. Um, I'm not ancient, but I'm not 25. Um, when I look back. I, I, what thing that comes really clear to me is that I, I don't, I haven't been in the past embracing today. You know, I get on with today, and I'm excited, and I'm positive, and I'm pumped about today. But my today is thinking about the future. My today is getting things done that will appear in a week or two weeks or a month or a year, whatever it might be. I'm constantly thinking about it will get better. My business will be here. Um, you know, uh, I will be healthier or, you know, things will be sorted out in the future. So I think that the, that stands out for me is actually, I've, you know, I've been to multiple shrinks. I've been to many councils and stuff. Trying to work this out is that, um, and I've been reading a book called Still and, you know, now uh, there's a whole bunch of, there's a big movement, massive movement mm. now actually around which is also stressful trying to read it all <laughs> but it's around um enjoying the now enjoying the moment um if today was all we had how would you approach it differently and yeah. i think that i've been running at 100 miles an hour my whole life and um questioning why like why why i've been doing that um not necessarily having the answers but uh you know because if you stop all of a sudden you have this massive void yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, and I think just just reflecting on what you're saying there, I think that, you know a couple of things stand out um, that sort of resonate with me as well. I mean, just been reading, rereading Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning as a, mm. as a really great sort of ode to finding, you know, your own sense of purpose. The you know the big why, mm. um, and that you know if the why is clear enough and i'm paraphrasing you know man yeah, yeah. can withstand anyhow yeah. um or get through anyhow and then of course you know there's a you know there's this huge movement i think building at the moment based yeah. upon you know eckhart toll's you know yeah, power yeah. of now and absolutely and, and, and some of the other concepts you mentioned there as well and the only thing is it can get a bit stressful when you're trying to meditate every day on you know on your iphone and you're getting a little nudges saying it's time to meditate yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the irony of the digit of the you uh. know 
of the digital co- disconnect or um, um, the fact that, you know, we have to be reminded to actually be, be mindful by our digital devices who distract us from digital distraction by digital distraction, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I think what yeah. you were saying too, just around, you know, his focus on um, purpose is, is actually, that's one thing I realized for a long time. I kind of thought I'm just doing design, you know, just running a business, but actually when I dig deeper, I realized that actually I'm, I'm on this earth to help people. I'm not just here to do design. I'm not just here to do brands or environments or it might be. But I'm here to help people. Every, if I change that focus, if I, if I go, okay, every day I have an opportunity to help people. You know, um, People need my help, whether it's health or whether it's a brand or whether it's my kids or whether, whatever it might be. You could be rebranding a city. You could be help, you're working on a hospital. You could do a whole bunch of different things that are actually, if you change your focus on what is my purpose, um, and my, my business purpose is to design a better world. It's not just to make shitloads of money or just too mm. great design. It actually is about adding value. And if you can focus on doing good and contributing to the society and to the world in a positive way, it's massively rewarding. And, and it really does connect with your inner, uh, your heart, your soul, um, and everything uh, around that. I'm just tuning into this idea of you know, designing a, a better world, right? Um, I think, you know, discourse, communication, conversation like these and, and, and in politics and in environmental, et cetera, are crucial to, to getting us beyond certain stalemates, you know, whether it's, you know, climate change or other, you know, mm. big global problems. Um, do you see a role for, for design in, in terms of redesigning, you know, you said you know, design a better world. I'm just mm. curious to see what do you see as as the really terrible designs that are holding us back. I mean, either it can be anything from you know the way politics is designed to yeah. to you know to our you know our energy grid. Are there are there particular things you've been philosophizing about where you kind of go, hey, this is real. This is the reason that the world is in this mess is because of this design problem. Well, I think everything excluding nature and you could say that you know the big designer up there designed the world and designed nature etc um but us human beings the human race has designed everything else and everything around us everything in this room everything everything our cars or everything every, the systems it's all been designed and not everything has been designed well and not everything's been designed with wellness in mind happiness or well-being um you could look at a house and you could say that house has been really well designed that house is not well designed that house is as designed specifically for people's needs that house is just a, a box and it's just not it's not functional someone's just done it you know whatever i think that um well we we've been looking a lot at um focusing on human-centered design so again we focus on on humans, we focus on what they actually need, you know, what, um, what will add value to their, how do we connect to these people in a meaningful way? Sustainability, you know, we've done a whole bunch of defrost podcasts, uh, webinars recently, and we've had some amazing guests come in and talk about um, sustainability, what they're doing as organizations and whether they're a super fund, whether they're a VC investment business and property, um, 
park designers, et cetera, et cetera. There, there's, there's amazing amount of people now coming to the surface, I guess, who have kind of becoming highly visible because the world ha is in a state of shock. You know, we had the big fires. The climate change has been a major um, concern. And, you know, it's been for, for, for a long, long time it's been talked about, but it wasn't until last Christmas when we had the big fires that people started to go, holy crap, this might be real. You know, the skeptics even started to believe that this, was, this is real and something needs to be done. We were in, had a huge influx of clients coming to us going, what can we do as an organization? These are banks. These are startups. There's a whole array of people coming in and going, what can we do to contribute to the world in a positive way? What can we do to reduce our footprint? What can we do to be a more sustainable business? And we just went to a launch last night of a brand we just helped um, create called Beckon. And they are a um, development business, um, but they're also their fundraising business as well. And, and their business is actually about creating communities with meaning, with value for individuals, families, organizations and stuff. And it's just incredible to see, you know, all these heads guys from Goldman Sachs, they're now part of this business. And it's a, and it's a relatively small business, 17 people, but they're already doing projects between 10 and $100 million. And they're doing good. They're adding value. They've got incredible ethics, and they're contributing in um, a positive way to society. And I'm seeing that, that, that. They're popping up all over the place. Yeah. Do, I mean, do you feel like we're going through, I mean, weird, you know, zeitgeist question here maybe of the, you know, the spirit of our times. Do you, do you see that there's a paradigm shift in, in the sort of, you know, human consciousness or even in yeah. sort of conscious capitalism here that, that I, there I, is a pivotal moment at the I, moment? I definitely do. I mean, I, I, we've been working with Oz Harvest for oh, maybe 12 years now and we helped. So this is Ronnie Khan's Ronnie organization Khan, that yep. essentially distribute meals to yep. – to the needy. So they get food from uh, hotels, restaurants, supermarkets, etc., and redistribute the food around the country to people who are in need. Um, incredible organization. And you'd think that it wouldn't have grown beyond one van. I think they've now got 35 vans, and there are multiple places around the world. And we worked with her for a very long time. But what, what I thought was interesting when working with her originally was that um, they – the, you know, she's the, the doing good. When I saw her in action, she's like attracts so many volunteers and so many people that actually want to partake and want to contribute to helping out. And it's, I think it's our human, it's our human nature to do so. But I think that capitalism, capitalism has really screwed things up. It's really, it's become about it was all about greed, about more. Uh, it's about the big corporations controlling us and the world, etc. And you know, my my parents were kind of hippies in the seventies, so back in Canada. So kind of, I was always aware to um, an alternative uh, lifestyle um, around the caring about the planet, caring about animals, caring about each other, doing good and doing the right thing. And, you know, for a long time, I thought that was a bit of a kind of a hokey, hippie kind of thing. And over time, over the last, I don't know, 30, well, more than that, 
50 years, actually. Um, you just see that that approach to life is moving to, towards the norm, is moving towards becoming how more and more people approach their lives. People have rediscovered their heart. They've rediscovered creativity. They've rediscovered that they actually can make a positive difference in the world, even with small, uh, small efforts or small things, etc. So it just feels like there's kind of a real groundswell of, of positive, can-do, conscientious uh, efforts. Um, and I think that I have a feeling that people feel better for that themselves. And I guess it's, you know, I mean, I, I think back to the, the sort of, you know, the spokespeople of, of the sort of environmental movement and without doing a massive sort of history lesson here or, you know, throwing, you know, our minds back too far in, into the recent past. But, you know, someone like Al Gore with an inconvenient mm, truth, obviously, yeah. you know, he designed a really interesting, you know, you know, riveting sort of narrative around all of this. Yeah. Um, and I think there was some, you know, a, a beginning of a groundswell movement back in the mid-2000s. Um, and certainly, you know, he was standing on the shoulders of giants before, but mm. I think it wasn't really until, you know, a Swedish teenager, uh, Greta Thunberg, mm. came out to sort of represent that, you know, us adults actually have a duty of care for the next generation that maybe the right spokesperson and spokespeople were there. It was almost like there was, you know, you know, without any sort of criticism to Al Gore, but, uh, you know, in some ways it's even more authentic when, you know, when a 16, 17 oh, yeah. year old speaks up. Have you got any reflections on just from a design perspective on how, how the narrative of climate change can now be be told. Well, I think that um, I mean, God, there's still skeptics out there who think it's a big hoax. You hear it every day on the news, you know, people talking about it like that. But I think, like Al Gore, I mean, it wasn't that long ago he came out with that, um, and it's interesting that. Well, how long ago was that? Was it ten? It's years about ago? fifteen years 15 ago. Fifteen years ago. Uh-huh. In a way, it's kind of, it felt like you look back, oh, that was ahead of its time. But there's also people prior to that, you know, making those statements and Like your that. parents probably, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, but I guess he had, he, had, he was a, um, a very visible guy um, that people took very seriously. And he surrounded himself with the scientists and the experts to be able to communicate that. Yeah, when I was really interesting, um, obviously recently, yeah, to see her... Uh, sail from country to country <laughs> she wouldn't even get a plane uh it's that much of a purist and 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 it's just incredible the the efforts that she made to uh go to a variety of conventions and 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 be the spokesperson for you know the younger generation and um i mean you really felt it you really felt it and obviously i don't know what would have happened if we hadn't had the fires i mean hopefully we don't have those fires again this christmas but what if we do what if it becomes a regular regular event but certainly that the combination of a whole bunch of things quite quickly followed by covid i think that were people are scared shitless that this is the end of the world i think yeah and and of course the fires you're referring to are the australian bushfires of 2019 early 2020 and um 
I think what you're seeing there though is is also you know from a design perspective here like it's there's an art and a science there's a, there's a narrative to Gita Thunberg it's the you know it's the emotional appeal it's her as a as, as a symbol of you know of the youth of tomorrow you know the youth mm. of today and 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 the world of tomorrow mm. um I think there's also the science though that is now more in our consciousness as well which is you know you you see the bushfires ravaging in Australia or or in California more recently mm. yeah um there's certainly more of an attachment and, and a, I guess a reawakening of an awareness of um science even through covid a focus on the numbers but then there's been a strong design element, which is that how do you actually teach people about exponentiality or, or um, you know, the acceleration of the melting of the solar, ice, oh, sorry, of the yeah. of the ice caps? Um, how you know through great infographics we're able to actually understand numbers, whether we're left brain or right brain. I know this is something mm. you talk about in the book. Mm. You have people who maybe a bit more STEM, you know, sciences, technology, engineering, yeah. and maths based in their thinking and people who are maybe traditionally more you know innovative um interpersonal emotional some people would say creative uh, but we know creativity can kind of span both of those hemispheres so there is an art and a science to communicating these big global problems what, what do you think for the for those people that aren't necessarily very scientific or don't take the numbers seriously or the facts seriously what role can design play in, in, you know, in moving people's hearts and minds? Well, I think, I think obviously, you know, great, well-designed graphs and graphics and, and the numbers actually helps, helps people understand it uh, more clearly. So I do think that is understanding the facts um, in the simplest way possible is, is obviously a design opportunity. Um, I think that... Um, God, what was the question? Now the question. Art and science, and oh, um, yeah, yeah. getting people well, more attached, I guess, or awakened to the importance of science and numbers through. Design. I think it comes back to. I mean, it comes back to even this this project we did yesterday, which we launched back in. Um, you know, we've humanized that brand, a brand that kind of could have looked very corporate design. I mean, I think it's all creativity is has such an opportunity right now. And I think that people are, I've never seen people be more creative than, to, than today. Um, and certainly in sectors that aren't traditionally known as being creative. I think, I, think I've, I see across all of our clients and across a lot of businesses, et cetera. Um, I mean, on the news con continuously, there's just people are looking at different ways of doing things better. And that comes down, creativity is around ideas, generating ideas, and choosing what is the best idea and actioning those ideas. You know, I saw BP uh, were on the news, the CEO on the news, I think on the weekend, saying that they are going to be completely green by 2050 or something like that. Um, the, the, there's organizations coming out and just announcing that we, we are, we're going to be doing the, the right thing. We're going to be doing uh, solar power farms and wind farms and all this kind of stuff. There's, Creativity and thinking and idea generation as at an all time high, and is that just is that survival? Are they going shit? 
this is it. We've yeah. got to sort this out. Um, the ones with a conscience are actually going ahead and doing incredible things. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's amazing to see that. So creativity has a power to do anything, I think, good and, I, and bad. Yeah, and I think creativity as well is always enhanced in some ways when it's, you know, creativity within constraints. Mm. If you have a, whether it's a set budget or it's a timeline, no matter what it happens to be, yeah. creativity can actually be a great way of, you know, hack, hacking a process or, you know, squeezing the most lemon out of the, right. squeezing the most juice out of the lemon, as it were, easy yeah, to yeah. say if you're Swedish. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious just when, when you hear the word, and again, I'm testing your history skills here, but when you hear the word renaissance, speaking about creativity, uh, what are the sort of word associations or the thoughts and feelings that, that the word renaissance mm. brings up for you? Well, what do you what do you mean by it? Like the second Renaissance. So I'm I'm, I'm focused here actually more on the kind of like the first Renaissance. So we're talking Renaissance Italy, for example. Mm. So Florence after the um, Black Plague, for example. You had this flourishing of of creativity and um, art and you know political thought, etc. Um, investments even in, in, in technology and labor-saving devices. I'm just, I'm just curious. I mean, the, the term renaissance, I guess, is a, is a revival of, yeah, of, yeah. of something new. I, but it was this, the first renaissance essentially was this sort of, you know, revival of old school thinking, but it led to this new explosion yeah. post the first, per, per, after the, um, the pandemic of the Black Plague. I guess because I'm in it every day, I don't see it as a renaissance because I just see it as, I've been, you know, I personally have been doing creativity and working in the creative industry and promoting creativity in, in, our, in our industry as well. I, I see that this is, uh, it, it hasn't kind of, didn't stop and then it's kind of now bang, it's all started or anything. I, I feel like it's, um, it's ongoing, but the emphasis, the momentum is increased because of uh, what's been going on. And as I said, it could just be around survival. Uh, businesses trying to survive, trying to work out how to be better. I mean, we constantly being people coming and going, how do, we, how do we refine our business? How do we get really focused? You know, people have realized that they've just been going about their business. They haven't been really focused. They haven't been as lean as they could be. They haven't been as sharp and as effective and focused as they can be. I think the, I think the focus is, is there more than probably ever before. Um, and I really do put it down to survival. <laughs> I think it also, people see this as an opportunity. So people are going, how can, I ma- how can I do well out of this situation? And again, it's survival. It's like it's not just sitting back and just hope it all goes away. It's like okay, people go into creative overdrive. People go into lateral thinking. People go into collaborative um, uh, co-creation. You know, people coming together and going, there has to be a better way. People have realigned. They've had, they have time. Uh, a lot of people have had time to stop or slow down and to rethink their world, their lives, um, uh, their careers, etc. And it's given them that kind of insight to come out of it with a different perspective on the world. Um, and that's on mass. I think a mass has actually feeling like 
reconnection with your home, a reconnection with your family, a reconnection with having less potentially, a reconnection with um, uh, quality and slowing things down. It's been absolutely scary for a lot of people. Um, but once that scariness, and that's, of course, around the world, people are still in the, in the height of it. But um, I think that what's been interesting is, is certainly with me and people that I know, that that has really made people to kind of become better humans as a result of that. And I think that's what, at the heart of it, is we're all just human beings trying to make it, you know, make the best of it all. And I think that that, that realignment with ourselves and the earth uh, has made a really important um, uh, reconnection with our human instincts. And uh, all of us are mostly and generally uh, about doing well, about contributing, about being nice, about being kind, all these things which are positive things, um, attributes that, that make the world go round. There's been so much kind of destruction, nastiness, uh, evil, greed uh, over a very, very long time. And I think that people have kind of, the masses of realizing this is no longer acceptable, you know, mm-hmm. that equality is a priority. So it sounds like uh, the Frost Collective and, and your mission of uh, designing a better world is, is, is right on point. Uh, we are kind of in, in the end zone here, uh, Vince. Uh, what, what are the, you know, one or two or three sort of major lessons with this circuit breaker that has been COVID in your own life? Have, have you seen that you've made any big changes in, in, in terms of how the virus has caused you to kind of redesign anything about your own life? You mentioned before that you've just turned 55, you're, you're, you're designing the second part of your, your life. Has, has COVID second, accelerated it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'd, I'm sure I won't live to 110. But yeah, I think that what it, what it taught me, and I, I, I'm a single dad and I got three kids and uh, two of my kids live with me still. Um, it definitely, uh, it was all new. The whole thing, the COVID thing was new to everybody. It was no one's experienced this before. Uh, and to be stuck in the house that you normally escape to as soon as you get out of bed every day, uh, stuck in your house day in, day out, um, you know, at first was scary and kind of a bit kind of torturous and, and uncertain. But over time, I mean, not everyone's like this because some people have wonderful families and they, you know, close and warm and all that and they, they, they slow things down, etc. But when you're living a life which is like, a, it feels like 100 miles an hour, you kind of lose touch with the things that really, really matter. And that is your family, your environment, your place, etc. Uh, people, friends, and all that, loved ones. I think that for me, that that really started to make a, a big difference, you know, to how I felt. Because I mean, when when COVID started, and prior to that, with the fires and stuff, I was highly concerned. I've got like forty people uh, in my team. I, I thought that was the end of our business. I thought, you know, I've been through recessions before in in the UK, uh, which were huge, um, and I, I I just I was my optimism was actually in, not in a good, good state. Um, and it was incredibly scary. And if you sit down and listen to the news all the time, you, you, that reinforces that. Um, 
probably to an unrealistic kind of position, but I was just like, this is it, we're done. This is the end of the world almost, mm-hmm. or this is the end of my business. And you try to think about how would, what, once you kind of terms with that, what would you do? What, what could I do? So my, my creative mind started kind of thinking about, okay, what is the alternative? How will I, how will I manage to maintain my, pay my bills? How will I maintain this, this, and this, you know? And it kind of, I guess in that, it kind of stimulated an, an influx of um, ideas of alternative ways of living my life, which you'd never, well, unless you get fired or something happens dramatically in your world, you don't normally think about that. But when a whole bunch of people are thinking the same thing, it's quite, um, it's quite an interesting energy because you share the same kind of conversation, the same fears, the same concerns, the same dreams, the same uh, ways out of this kind of situation. So what I, what I did with the business too is we just kind of, we, everybody's working from home and we started to kind of rotate people in the studio, um, get a bit of a, try to make some sense of the situation, try to create a new norm, um, which was, for most of the people, it was quite n- nerve-wracking in the beginning. Um, but over, over a few months, people became kind of accepting that. Ironically, for years, people have been asking to work from home one day a week. <laughs> and now they work from home four days a week. Just took a little var to, to get us there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I, I, and it was, the reason why it didn't happen before was partially trust thing or partially productivity or partially... Uh, just traditional way of doing business and what is the new way of doing business that is much more fluid is much more trusting much more uh much better for like uh and certainly in our industry you're able to do that um not all industries can but to have that you have a better uh a better life balance uh as a result of that so i think that it's been it's been a real eye-opener for for everybody and i think it's been um i don't want to sound glib though because it's, it's kind of like there's there's you know a lot of people have died a lot of people have gone out of business um obviously less so in australia but the rest of the world is huge number of people that are in a in a terrible situation and they're not going to be thinking right now about how to be creative they're not going to be thinking about you know the ones that are in that bad mm-hmm. state are going to be just thinking this is a terrible situation um with no end in sight um i think that the thing is to kind of maintain if you can some kind of uh, maintain optimism despite it being incredibly grim and knowing that this time will pass that there will be a cure there will be vaccinations there will be better times ahead and to live with it and allow your mind to explore ideate and explore and think and dream about um a better scenario you know which is you know what we all do and essentially yeah taking a design approach to yeah redesigning a new future thank you very much for coming on to the show vince that's great, cool great to have you on the second renaissance and uh look forward to co-creating uh, a better oh, cool. world together cool thanks, thanks for coming on thank you i appreciate that Thank you for lending us your ears and tuning into the podcast. It's been said that the greatest compliment you can give a person is to pay full attention to them and be present. So we do appreciate you lending us your ears here at the Second Renaissance and hope you enjoy this 
first inaugural episode with Vince Frost. Next time, we interview Mika Utsun Popov, an Australian and Danish artist who works across a wide range of mediums, creating site-specific sculptural installations, design and drawings. He graduated from the National Art School in Sydney in 1995 and has created artworks all around the world. As you can tell by his surname, he is the grandson of the architect and the designer for the Sydney Opera House, and we're going to be exploring how growing up in a creative family has shaped his artistry and how he views creativity. We look forward to welcoming you back onto the show at the Second Renaissance. <laughs>